The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come From the coming storm While you have breath 
You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murders, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee pastor at the National Prayer Chapel. I'm basically a very positive person. I wake up in the morning with laughter and joy. I begin immediately, as soon as I awaken, I begin to praise and honor Jesus. I turn to him with joy. Every day is a good day. When it's sunshine, When it's cloudy, when it's rain, when it's snow, when it's warm, when it's cold, it doesn't matter to me. Every day is a a day of wonder and joy and delight in Jesus. And I, I look forward to it with eager anticipation. But you know the song that I just played. Some of you ask, what's the song and who's the artist? I don't know who the artist is. 
But the song, The Coming Storm by Soul Survivor Ministries is a powerful warning. You see, we're not yet, we're not yet ready to enter into that Revelation 20 where it's all over. We still have it to go through. And we are right now at the beginning of going through. I remind you of yesterday just to give you a background again to understand what I'm going to say to you today. The 30-year war was the bloodiest in history per capita. It was a bitter, bloody battle. It was the Reformation battle. And at the end of that battle, a change had occurred and nation-states arose. A nation-state is one where whether the ruler is the same or not, the nation continues. They have a system of of election, of appointment. So if Mr. Putin dies, Russia will continue. If President Biden dies, America will continue. That was not always the case. The princes who ruled over their territories were responsible to the Roman government. And at this time, it was the Catholic Roman government. Two legs, the Eastern, the Byzantine, and the Western, the Roman Catholics. But then the transition came from the legs of iron into the feet of clay and iron mixed in Daniel, the second chapter. That transition was finished with the bloody 30-year war. And we entered into a new era of time. Well, that was a very difficult, painful, bloody time. Well, we're going into now the transition from the feet of clay and iron into the total beast power. The beast power is arising even as we speak. I listened last night to a economist as he spoke about the absolute certainty of digital coins and the loss of all paper currency. The one world government, the beast power is arising and it is coming with every possible deception. The pandemic was part of that deception. The vaccination was part of that deception of the beast power arising. And the war that is being fought with Russia, that's part of the beast power arising. And it will hasten the 37th chapter of Ezekiel. We're watching as things are speeding up. We're now told that we have 10% inflation year over year. I suspect it's more between 15 and 20%. 
Now, as we look at all the trouble that is coming upon America, surging commodity prices, and now they're suddenly being hit because of what the Federal Reserve is going to do, and the Federal Reserve is neither federal nor a reserve. It is a private banking enterprise. Wars are always called by the bankers. They make the money. They fund both sides. George Bush's grandpa funded the Hitler War and the American War out of a bank in New York. We need to understand that Everything is not as it appears. Right now, it's sleight of hand. It's deception. So now we have surging gas, gasoline prices, surging cost of, of home heating and gas. We have the price surging at the pump. We have businesses in the middle class, the small businesses, have been wiped out by the government. It was intentional. It was planned. Nothing has happened in America that was not planned. The bankers control it all. And they're utterly corrupt. And so they put corrupt leaders in. It's a shell game. My eyes are not on them, and I don't look for my salvation from them. I recognize that they are part of the beast power that is arising. If you don't see that, you're blind. And you need to go and pray the message to the church at Laodicea. And ask the Lord to give you the eye salve so you can begin to see what's really going on. And make the decision because the storm is coming. We see it now. We've known it was coming, but now we see it coming. We see famine and sword and pestilence. Now I say I am normally a very positive person. My heart is filled with joy. But I see these things coming and I have to talk about them. I have to call your attention to make certain that you understand the transition time we are now entering, the transition time from the feet of iron and clay into the full power of the beast as spoken of in Revelation. And we're not going there today, but we will later chapter 13 and 14 of Revelation. Now, I have studied the book of Revelation both on an undergraduate level and a graduate level. I have spent years reading the book of Revelation, and I have to say there is much that I still do not understand. I have heard theologians address the book Some I very much appreciated, and others have added their own skepticism or their own interpretation that proves wrong. 
And so for a long time, I would not preach on the book of Revelation. I would simply read it regularly. I continue to do that. You can really only understand the book of Revelation by reading and meditation and crying out to God for insight and understanding. And so I've begun bringing to you that scroll with the seven seals. Now understand, Revelation, again, is set up not in a linear fashion. That is, it doesn't flow in order. It is written like a play with a number of different acts. And one act will go, and then the next one will bring you back to another side of the operation that's going on at the same time. And so we find in, in Revelation, the sixth chapter, the seals are being opened. Now understand that the seals and the trumpets and the thunders the seals, the trumpets under the seventh seal, and the thunders are all a part of what Jesus is doing. This is not what the devil is doing. Now, we come over here in Revelation to chapter 12, 13, 14, 15. We find there what the devil is doing. And it's necessary that we fit that into our understanding, which seal is each issue happening under. And frankly, I can't tell you completely, but we'll find parts that make sense. So, you have the first of the seven seals opened, and I've shared with you my sense that it was the League of Nations, that it's the Antichrist who goes forth on a white horse imitating Jesus. It cannot be Jesus because he doesn't come on a white horse until he comes to make war against the devil and all of his followers and the beast power when he defeats them by the sword that comes out of his mouth. So the rider is given. He doesn't earn. He doesn't gain by conquest. He is given a crown. And he rides out with that crown and with his bow as a conqueror bent on conquest. That was the League of Nations and the United Nations. The League of Nations and the United Nations lead us toward a one-world government and away from nation-states. It's been a slow process, but it's been a steady progress. And so you find the second seal is open, and a fiery horse comes out, and he's given power to take peace from the earth. And if you look carefully... There have been two great world wars before wars were fought between nation states, as in the 30-year war. But now, it is a different issue that's happening. There are great world wars happening, 
and they have a large sword, and that is the atomic bomb. Now, the third seal, I believe, is where we are right now. Now, you may totally disagree with me, but hear hear the central message, and that is that God is moving, that God is powerful, and there is a difference between what God does and the devil does. And I'm interested primarily in what God does. The devil's going to do his deal. But I just shared with you Revelation, the first part of chapter 20. I know who wins. I've read the last chapters, 20 and 21. The Lord Jesus is going to win. And we who are righteous before him, who have overcome the beast, who have overcome our sin and wickedness by the blood of the Lamb through the power of the Spirit, Revelation, I'm sorry, Romans, the sixth chapter. If we overcome, we will sit with him on that throne. So right now we're in the third seal. We are seeing a worldwide economic reset. A black horse, its rider holding a pair of scales in his hand, and a voice that sounds like a voice among the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a day's wages. That's what the reset is going to do. Hasn't happened yet. The seal is being opened. Now I want to also say that each seal as it's opened will speed up in its opening. So, a quart of wheat for a day's wages, and a quart of wheat has the nutrition for one person for one day. Or, three quarts of barley for a day's wages. In other words, we're coming into a reset time when every person will be struggling just to survive. But not the oil and the wine, not the one percenters. Not the Bill Gates. Not the the billionaires. They're going to fly through this. But then, I believe we're right on the edge of the fourth seal opening. Hasn't opened yet. Remember, these are God's actions. It is God who is speeding up the timetable. He wants to finish the rebellion on present planet Earth. And he wants to redeem his people. He wants to destroy the works of the devil. And brother, sister, he wants to destroy the sin that has caught you. He wants to set you free. He loves you. Many of you are still playing with your sin. You are still longing for pastures that have no value in the kingdom of God. You're still lusting after those entertainments, still lusting after those shallow things from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You say, well, this isn't bad. No, no, wait a minute. It is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
And so we have imagined that there is an open space for me to live my life as long as I don't do evil, but I'm not totally sold out to Jesus. I'm in this middle place. And one person said to me, when things begin to unfold, I'll slip through into heaven. I'll make that full commitment. No, you won't. You'll be caught with your pants down. You'll be lost. So please note, God is not playing games. We're going to go through a time of very painful famine, shortage of food. All of the news media is telling us there's going to be a great shortage of food. I heard a prophet last night saying, There's going to be a great reset and then everything's going to become wonderful again in America. Mr. Trump's going to come back and lead us into the promised land. I've got news for you. He may come back. He may win his election. But America is not going into a time of prosperity. I believe the word of revelation over the word of a prophetess or prophet who's lying to us. The fourth seal opens as there is famine in the land. The fourth seal opens as as people are made homeless, as people lose their cars and their houses and have to begin moving in with each other. The day will come when most single-family residents will hold many people because many are going to lose their jobs. Things are going to become very, very painful and difficult. That's why I have warned you, put aside some food, enough for at least a year. Put aside what you need to protect yourself and whatever you believe you need to do. Put aside the tools you'll need. Times are going to become very hard. The storm is almost on us. It's almost too late to provision. But then in verse 7, the fourth seal is opened. I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. You're looking at 70 million people, according to the scripture, that will die in America alone through starvation, through war, through plague, disease. In the 30-year war, most of the 8 million people who died did not die from a sword or a cannonball. They died from starvation and from cholera and other diseases. It will be the same here 
Now, during this time, persecution is going to break out against Christians and they will be scapegoated. We're going to see Christians needing a place to go hide. Isaiah said, go in your house and shut the door and let the judgments of the Lord, not the judgments of the devil, the judgments of the Lord pass over. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been completed. So during the fifth seal, there's going to be a great murdering, destruction of God's people. I'm trusting God. I know that before this fourth seal opens, there's going to be a revival in America. The Lord has promised me this. And many of these people who come now and repent before the Lord their repentance is going to be tested by the guillotine, by prison, by persecution. Many will die. And those who die are going to cry out to the Lord in the heavenly realms and say, Oh God, how long until you stop this carnage? The sixth seal opens. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black, like sackcloth made of goat hair. And the moon turned red, blood red. And the stars in the the sky fell to earth. In other words, there's going to be some kind of event that will throw with volcanic power, probably, earthquake and volcanoes, maybe even small asteroids, striking the earth and kicking up a lot of debris that will block the sun and turn the moon red. The stars in the sky fall to the earth. The word stars here, means literally asteroids, small asteroids striking the earth. The sky reeled like a scroll rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and even every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who can stand? This is soon coming, brother, sister. Get ready. We're entering that storm right now. 
Now, is this sixth seal, is this when many will be taken to heaven? I don't know. But I know what we're looking at in the seventh seal What we're looking at in the seventh seal is so terrifying and it marks the midpoint of the great tribulation. I may be wrong. I don't set dates. But the best of my understanding, 2025 will begin the seven-year tribulation. We're going to have some very difficult times leading up to that year of 2025. We have two years before that happens. I don't know what's going to happen. But chapter 7 moves to the 144,000 who are seated After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. In other words, in the fourth, fifth, and sixth seal, things are going to remain somewhat normal, but we're going to see a great persecution and many will die. But then we see God comes and takes 144,000. And some say Jewish people, and it seems like it is because it's 12,000 from every tribe. And after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes. They were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders, the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. And then one of the elders asked me, these in the white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. This is the midpoint of the tribulation. And they come out. Now, is he speaking about people who have been killed? Or is he speaking about People being taken to heaven. Call it a rapture. Call it whatever. I don't know what it is. But I rejoice in it because there is victory. These are they that have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his his tent over them. And never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. 
the sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. So it seems that many will come out of the midpoint of the tribulation. I praise God for that. I want to be among that number. I want to overcome. I don't want any spot or wrinkle. We're told later in Revelation that the saints of God are dressed in white linen. And the white linen stands for the righteous life, the good works, the way they live without spot or wrinkle. Now, please understand me. John Wesley made a distinction between walking in known rebellion and sin against God. That was sin. And then he said, there are mistakes that we make, but there is no intentional voluntary rebellion against God. Mistakes don't mar my life. I live and mature and grow. And when I get to heaven, by God's mercy, I'm going to still make mistakes. I'm going to mature in heaven. I'm going to grow up like a calf in the stall. That's what Isaiah says. And I'm going to need the coaching of my angel, maybe for the first million years in heaven. Because I'm very immature in many respects. And then Wesley said there are infirmities. Sin is defined in classical Greek as missing the mark. You shoot an arrow at a target, and you miss the target. That's called sin, harmatia. The definition given in Scripture in 1 John is not the classical Greek definition of sin. The definition of sin in 1 John is known rebellion, voluntary rebellion against God. If I go out to the golf course, which I'm not a golfer, and I don't make par, I can't get the hole-in-one. Is that sin? According to the classical definition of sin, that is sin. But according to the biblical definition, that's infirmity. In other words, I don't have muscles sufficiently coordinated or strong to make par on that shot. Or I stand in front of the target, but I don't have the strength to pull that 80-pound bow back to shoot the distance to hit the target. And so my arrow hits the ground because I didn't have the strength to pull the bow. Is that sin? No, that's not sin. That's infirmity. We need to understand these distinctions. They're very important in the scripture. In scripture, we are told that you are not to walk in any known rebellion or sin against God. 
Now, the modern church teaches that you're covered by God's grace, and grace is a blanket that covers over you. And they call it imputed grace. There's no such thing in Scripture as imputed grace. There is in the Old Testament, the sins were not forgiven until Jesus died on Calvary. They were covered over. But in the New Covenant, sins are not covered. Sin can only be dealt with in the New Covenant by confession and repentance. By cutting off by the power of the blood of Jesus. There is now in the New Covenant a place of righteousness that goes far beyond anything known by the law. This righteousness comes to us from Jesus Christ by his blood. And by the Holy Spirit, we put to death every misdeed of the body, every rebellion. To be sin, it must be voluntary. so when we come to this fourth seal, there's going to be great death and destruction on every hand. We are going to see wars and bombs. We're going to see pathogens, diseases, whether plagues, by accident or on purpose, as the Omicron was on purpose. By famine and rising up of the wild beasts who will go crazy and will go against the human race and try to kill us and be very successful. Now, after that seal, the fifth seal, And we find continued execution of Christians. This is a terrifying time in the fourth and the fifth seal. The sixth seal takes the attention of the world off the Christian. And it's focused instead on their own personal survival. Because there's a great earthquake. survival becomes very difficult. People will survive. The earth will still have many people in it. But many will die. Now, knowing these things and knowing that you are alive and you are going to walk into what is happening, The cry of my heart is that you would get serious about Jesus, about scripture, about meditation and prayer, and exceedingly serious about not making any more excuses for your sin, but cutting it off. I shared with you yesterday something that was written in my Bible. I'm going to read it for you again. The Lord said, I have broken my staff of correction over the backs of my sheep who long for different pastures. And yesterday I asked you the question in your heart, 
Are you longing for different pastures? Or are you walking, hungering and searching after Jesus Christ? In practical terms. You come home from work and you're tired. Do you want to sit down and watch the television? You have your favorite TV shows? Do you want to jump on your cell phone? Please, I heard something that has such wisdom and I want to tell it to you. I want to say it to you. I want to ask you to consider it. The very best thing you can do for your children or for your husband or your wife is to shut your cell phone off, get rid of the television, don't go on the internet, but listen to them and talk with them. You know, when I think back about my childhood, the best time of my childhood was when we would sit down to dinner in the evening as a family. We did not eat in front of a television. If you're doing that, stop it. It's a way to hell. Turn your TV off. Go clear your table and sit down at the table and have a meal together and pay attention to each other. The joy of my heart was to sit at our table with my two brothers and my mother and my dad And we knew that during the meal, mother was going to share what was going on in her work. She was a bacteriologist by training, and she was in charge of a bacterial lab at a local hospital. But we also were eager to hear from dad, and we knew that after, I mean, dad was serious about his food, and he sat and didn't talk much, he just ate. But after we'd eaten... Dad would kind of lean back in his chair, and if we'd ask him some questions, he'd begin to tell us stories from his childhood. He was a cowboy for the first 30 years of his life. He would tell us stories of the West, ranch stories, stories of his family, stories of his experiences as he worked as a laborer. He only had a third-grade education. But he worked as a laborer on a big sugar beet farm in Longmont, Colorado, and he would tell us stories. We had been there, and we would tell our stories, too. I'll tell you one of those stories very quickly. Dad was a long way off in the field in his big hip boots, and he was adjusting the irrigation for the sugar beets, and and Roger, my oldest brother, who's five years older than me, said, hey, let's let's drive the pickup. Well, there wasn't a key. It was a switch. And so we weren't tall enough to reach the pedals and the brakes. So Roger steered. I don't remember it was Don or I who ran the brakes and another one who ran the, the accelerator. And we moved the truck around. We got so excited about that. And then when we were finished, we figured it was time for Dad to be walking back. We had to go get a branch and wipe out all of the tracks 
so dad wouldn't know what we'd done. Well, we told him that story many years later. He was not a happy camper about that, but he laughed. And other stories. We told each other stories. Those stories are precious to me today. It built relationship between us. It knit us together. I love to talk to my brother Don and Roger. We'll sometimes take time and just share some of those old stories and laugh together about how we almost drowned in the river. I went off to summer camp, and there I was to learn how to swim. We lived by a large river, a deep river, but in the middle was a sandbar that we could stand on. Well, Roger and Don determined that they were not going to be left out and not know how to swim, so they taught themselves how to swim. And I came back, and they said, Can you swim, Ray? Yes, I can swim. Well, prove it. And they promptly threw me into the river, and I sank. I couldn't swim. I'd passed my swimming test by having my feet down in that lake and walking while I pretended to swim. Well, Roger had to rescue me. We laughed about that many times. Do you understand? Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? We're coming into the most painful and difficult times of our lives. And you may not survive in the world what is going to happen. You may be caught and executed. You may be shot. You may be guillotined. You may lose everything. You may live in the woods in animal skins. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know (coughs) that fifth and sixth seal They're coming like a freight train at us. And soon, that fourth seal will be here and the persecution will start. You need to get ready. You need to get ready. And I know this is God moving forward. He's coming to rescue us. But first, we're going to have to go through that testing. And many of us will lose our lives. Now, tomorrow, we're going to dive into the seventh seal. The seventh seal and the trumpets under the seventh seal and the thunders, they will end in the glory. We'll go there tomorrow. Well, we're out of time for this broadcast. If you have any responses, please note them. If you're on the, on the YouTube, make a note over in the chat line so that I know what your thoughts are. Are you confident about your place with Jesus? And is it a false confidence? Is it? lived out day by day, or are you still caught in your own pasture that you lust after? And those of you who are on radio listening, thank you. I'm glad you're with me. And those of you who will listen on the podcast, I'm crying out to God for all of you. This is such a a serious, serious time. And yet I have the joy of the Lord in my heart.
because I know who holds my future. Jesus holds my future. Are you ready? Are you ready? The king is coming. I'd love to hear from you. Please, would you write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go online at nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. I want to thank you, those of you who have given in the last 48 hours. We're still way, 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 we're not even halfway toward what we need for this month's radio bill. And we're today halfway, we're at the 15th. So I pray that you will give as the Holy Spirit prompts you. Thank you. I know that this broadcast is sent by the Lord to you to turn your heart toward heaven and to strengthen and encourage your walk. Don't let it slide by. The storm is coming. And our only place of hiding is in Jesus. I love you, my brother. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.